Hey, Chatty Cathy's. This is Mini Gabs. We have Mini Gabs with Historical AF. My name is Natalie. My name is Kina. And I'm Ashley. Yay! So happy to have Ashley. Welcome, welcome. Ashley, one of my first <laughs> friends I met, met in San Antonio. And I was like, we're going to be friends now. But I don't think I can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you don't really have much choice. That's just kind of what well, she No, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. I think it's been like over a year now. It has. I just, I saw um, a Facebook post from when we went to the first, and that's why we drink show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was my first podcast live show. It was my So, and then we went to the second one together too. Now, now the goal is to see how many we go to together. I know, right? <laughs> they're bound to come back. Although the first one, there were some oh, yeah. people just screaming, and I was like, "They're never coming back," but they did. So, thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy they did. Yeah. Oh man, so tell everybody a little about you. Who are you? What um, are you doing? I'm a human being on this earth. Other than that, I'm not quite sure. No. Um, <laughs> so I'm Ashley. I'm 23. I just well, I would have graduated on Friday from Texas State um, with a bachelor's in anthropology and minor in public health. And so, I mean, we didn't get to do so much celebrating, but my parents had like a little mini surprise party for me mm-hmm. at their house. My aunt and uncle came over and we had some food and cake and did all that kind of thing. So it was nice. Aww. It was good. Well, consider this your graduation party. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Such a cool degree you got too. Yeah, it kind of took a while to figure out what I was doing. Anthropology had always kind of been into the mix for me, but I just wasn't sure whether I wanted to major or minor in it because I also did um, psychology. So I kind of bounced back and forth between those two. Mm-hmm. And then I got to a point in psychology where I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to have to get, you know, doctorate if I want to do anything with this. And that's a lot of school, <laughs> a lot of statistics classes I'm going to have to take. And I already took one. They're the word. Not my thing. Math <laughs> is not my thing at all. <laughs> Nobody goes into history or anthropology or archaeology loving math. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Otherwise, so I kind of nixed that, and then I had anthropology, but I didn't know what I was going to minor in, and so that took a bit. But then I took a medical anthropology class and applied anthropology class, and I was like, "This is my thing." (laughs) That's really cool. What are your plans now? I mean, post apocalypse. Right. Um, well, right now I'm working at a group home for people with intellectual disabilities and basically like a caretaker there. And that company needs a lot of help. <laughs> so, <laughs> it it would have been nice to kind of, you know, work my way up and work within all of that to kind of, you know, help them out. But I don't I don't know that I kind of want to stick with that. So I guess afterwards, I mean, with the public health background, they're just is so many different directions I could go, which what? is something that I, I like the flexibility of it to be able to work on a million different types of projects throughout mm-hmm. my career if I wanted to. So I'm not sure. I'm just going to have to look and see what's out there, you know? That's exciting. Yeah. My last anthropology class this past semester, it was a community research project. And we were working with Meals on Wheels, talking to their customers and stuff to see how they benefit more from Meals on Wheels versus any other food product place like uh, HelloFresh or whatever mm-hmm. in order to help them get funding from the legislature. So we were doing an 
interviews and stuff for that. But that, you know, kind of went out the window with Corona. (laughs) Yeah. That's some interesting research too, because I have seen a lot where some people, that's their only human interaction is when their meals Mm -hmm. and meals will show up. Yeah. And I mean, that was kind of it. When our class started, it was kind of like an ongoing, ongoing project from a grad student. She had been working on it from the last semester, um, investigating how lonely those people are and kind of going in from that angle. But it turns out from like the interviews we did, they're not exactly lonely because, you know, they're old people. They get set in their ways. They just want to be left alone to do their thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is a comfort to them to know that, you know, they have that interaction to have somebody checking on them, you know, just in case. Um, and to ha- their families are um, also pretty relieved by that as well. So yeah. that little that little interaction, you know, because they don't, they don't have a whole lot of time to stop and chat with them. So unfortunately, they don't get too close and get a whole lot of interaction with them. Mm-hmm. But from, you know, the moments that they do, it kind of, it, it does make their day, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> there wasn't like a whole lot of previous overall research regarding that kind of stuff. So it was, was, it's definitely a field that can be looked more into. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Grew up in a town that's, I think, I think I looked it up the other day. It's like almost 50% of the people are over 60. Like it's a huge percentage. Uh, You're a minority if you're native and you're young there, but uh yeah, stuff like that's just so important to all of them. So it's always been so ingrained in me. Because I'm like, oh, of course you would do that. But some other places, they struggle to have programs like that. And mm-hmm. you can see where that would be really difficult. Yeah. So I think that's something that could be continued to work on, you know, mm-hmm. kind of investigating. And I mean, because they face like to lose a lot of money to, to HelloFresh and all the other delivery services. Just because, you know, they don't have to spend as much time and all of that. But they like it because it's, you know, they have the interaction and also they can just pop it in the microwave. They don't have and it's already ready for them. They don't have to go through the struggle of making the meals themselves and stuff like that. Because a lot of them sometimes, you know, they don't have the energy or the capability of cooking and all of that kind of stuff. So it's a really big benefit for them. So to lose that or to lose funding and all of that is just... You know, that would not be great for a lot of people. Yeah. All right. Natalie, do you have a discovery this week? I do. Yay. I didn't know what to research. Like, I didn't have any clever something to look up. So I just I just Googled weird history facts. And this is one of the things I pulled up. And it's a list, of course. I actually just so you know, I'm a big fan of a good list. Of oh, yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to read a few of the things from the list. And one is heroin was once a perfectly acceptable medicine that doctors prescribe for headaches. Yep. Which I feel like that's almost common knowledge now. Like, like what drug wasn't prescribed at one point? Like cocaine and, and coke and whatnot. But I did not know that Albert Einstein was offered a presidency of Israel in November of 1952. Wow. And he turned it down because he says the natural aptitude and the experience to deal properly with people. Like he's like, I don't, I don't handle people well. So no, 
my people skills are rusty. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought, like, well, that's kind of cool. Like, you were able to observe yourself enough to, like, nah, I don't people very well. So I'm just going to gonna turn this presidency down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's some good self-awareness. It is. Yeah. You know your strengths. Some believed that the disappearance of those cats helped rat spread. Oh, that's the next one. Oh, no, I'm right, right. Okay, so some believe that the disappearance of cats helped rat spread the bubonic plague or Black Death killed millions of people. So I guess the cats helped in that one. Mm -hmm. We think that's crazy. Cats are the best, so that makes sense. They are. We just can't remember that again. Are you also a cat person? (laughs) Yeah, I mean I love animals, but cats are always my number one. I've literally never lived a day in my life without one. So, <laughs> And it is always my goal to ask a question right when someone's taking a drink, too. So that's <laughs> what uh, <laughs> Yeah, this has been the first year since I think forever I've not had a cat because my cat passed away right before I moved here. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a sad existence without a kitty. It is. It's not a house without a cat. I know. It's been it's been rough. Here's my big fluffy oh, girl. Yay! I can't tell you how much joy it is almost every recording somebody brings their cat on. Oh, yes. <laughs> Whether they choose to or not. I have my Zoom classes. <laughs> uh, you're a star, I can tell. <laughs> Next up is before dentures were invented, teeth were extracted extracted from the mouths of dead soldiers and used for prosthetics. I know that one's kind of common knowledge too, but I love, I don't know if I can get it right, the picture of one of the prosthetics. I think that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Wow. Like, I would not want this in my mouth. Like, oh. nope. I'm good. I've had no teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I recently learned that George Washington didn't have wooden teeth, that his teeth were made from teeth of slaves. But he would like pay them. Hmm. Like, I knew they wouldn't, but I didn't know that they were from slaves. That's interesting. I think they're probably a mixture from like you know soldiers and stuff too. But I'm like, can you imagine? You're already a slave, and be like, mm, I want your teeth now. Like, what are you gonna say? You can't say no. Fucking founder, founding fathers. God damn it! Constantly <laughs> disappointing me. So weird. Russian dictator Joseph Stalin often had photos retouched to remove people who had died or been removed from office. And that is another kind of interesting picture where it's like a countdown. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. Could you imagine our current, like, administration? Because there's nobody really on the, in the whole administration that began in the beginning. Yeah. They've been... Sorry, this is another one. It's um, Chinese women used to bind their feet to prevent further growth. And the painful custom became popular as a means to display social status and was also a symbol of beauty in Chinese culture. Mm -hmm. And these feet looked rough. Can you imagine the amount of pain? Just to uh, be what is considered. The first time I ever heard about that, I was like, oh my God, no. <laughs> I remember no, because I have good feet. So I just could like only imagine. Oh, my feet are enormous. But like, I remember always hearing about the, 
foot binding. But the first time I saw that photo, I was like, holy shit. I don't know what I thought was happening, but Jesus, that's so painful. I, I can't. My sister used to call me like Bigfoot or like Sasquatch. <laughs> and I was like a kid and be like, if my feet were smaller, I'd fall over. You know, I wouldn't have balance. All right. I'm going to end it on this one because this is just hilarious to me. Before there were alarm clocks, there were knocker ups <laughs> who were hired to shoot dried peas from a blowgun at people's windows in order to wake them up in the morning. That kind of sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of does. It just shows this lady like just shooting stuff at people. Well done. <laughs> Super chill. Like, fuck yeah. That'd be a good job. It'd be all right. Let me try Somebody you don't like. Well, I'll share the link on the website. <laughs> it's like, oh, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> not Sorry, that. I have to do the aim. Like, not that window, the other one. <laughs> or what if you broke a window? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Lose your job. Man. So I am this year old that I realized that Beauty and the Beast is based on a true story. Am I the only one that didn't know that? No. What? (laughs) I actually knew, but I did just find out kind of recently, though. Okay. Well, I heard about it on TikTok. I sorry, TikTok has like been my thing. I just scroll through when I'm bored, and there's a bunch of history people on there that I adore. And they were like, "Did you know this?" And I was like, "I did not know this." So, this is from Refinery Twenty Nine. Let me skip down all the little fun jibber jabber they do in the beginning. Beauty and the Beast stems from a real life event that dated back to the 1500s. Wow! And this is a picture of the real dude. Same as Peter. Ooh. Oh, there we go. Oh, okay. wow. Beastly. Got it. They had that, like, one disease that makes you all hairy. His name? Oh, <laughs> Petrus Gonsalves. And he never wanted to be called Beast. But it was the year 1537. And in that time, people with interesting peculiarities were a hot commodity in royal courts. Of course they were. As a result, at the age of 10... He and his own personal peculiarity was sent to of King Henry II. So why was this boy shipped from his home in Spain to the court of a, as a jester, goddammit, in France? Because his body was covered in long, thick hair. This is so sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, it'll be exciting. It's going to be sad. Damn it. <sighs> like him to be a real-life wolf man, he was the, quote, monster and he was a hit among the curious noblemen and women. People awaited with reputed man of the woods to bear his teeth and reveal his savage side. Oh, man. My savage side is when I'm pissed off, like when people want to look at my teeth. Oh, it gets better. But the day never <laughs> came because he had a very calm temper. Okay, uh-huh. good. Uh, today I would make a good beast. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a temper. What we know of the wolfman is that he was no beast. Just a kid who suffered from an extremely rare condition called hypertrichosis, a disease that results in hair growing all over a person's body. The king took a liking to the boy, situated an odd juncture between perception and reality. In a ploy right out of My Fair Lady, King Henry decided to take on a little pet project of his own. Giving him a wardrobe, a makeover, and a quality education, he groomed him to be a nobleman. The only thing that was missing was a wife. So, Catherine de' Medici, ever heard of her? King Henry II's wife, 
She took over the throne when he died, and she made finding him a wife her personal mission. She had the ulterior motive, though, in marrying him off. She hoped to reproduce his genetic condition and some offspring, so she wanted some, like, cute little tiny hairy humans. That's kind of shitty. Okay. <laughs> it could be worse, though, too. Like, the fact that she wanted to have children. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but it, granted, she could have just sold them or something. I don't know. That's true. I could be completely wrong. <laughs> Acting as the tender of the 16th century, she kept his condition a secret. She was seeking a strong woman who wouldn't be put off by somebody unconventional. That's one way of it. After a thorough search, Catherine settled on a woman who shared her name, Catherine. It's rumored that at first this arranged marriage was a bitter pill for the young beauty to swallow. Clearly, Catherine hadn't been expecting a hairy wolf man, but a nobleman. Oh, man, can you imagine that? Like, I'm getting married. He's noble. I have all this money. What the fuck? <laughs> like, imagine if I mean if she was a noble lady she might have been court or something but I guess most people wouldn't even know somebody with this condition even existed so it'd probably yeah. be startling yet in the series of events straight out of Beauty and the Beast Catherine was eventually won over by the Beast's personality actually we don't know what happens after the wedding in Beauty and the Beast but we do know what happens in this story the pair was married for 40 years. They produced seven children, three of whom were born with the same condition. Okay, I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I guess statistically, that's not horrible. Sadly, Europe's traveling sideshow fever snatched the three children up and they sent them as gifts to royal families. Aww. That's really sad. But as girls were very well educated, well-respected members of court, but doomed to be separated from their parents. One daughter, Antoinetta, was famously memorialized in a series of portraits. After these tragedies, the family tale coupled settled in a secluded estate in Italy where they lived a life that wasn't written down. Aw, so I mean, it's like happy and like really sad. I mean, I think it's the best kind of it. <laughs> they did fall in love. That's really cute. That is really cute, though. Yeah. And I mean, seven kids, especially if they all survived. Right. That's yeah. better. Yeah. That's actually pretty miraculous for the 16th century. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's so cute. I, I had no idea. And, and Bella's like my favorite, you know, princess. Like, she, I, I'm I'm pretty much just like Bella. So, like, she's always been my favorite. Mm-hmm. So, I was just like, oh, so cute. <laughs> I love that. One of the last weddings I was in, they did the bell hairstyle for me. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> I hired everybody to do different hair. And they're like, she's a librarian. It's perfect. Like, yes. Yes. Or <laughs> I love Belle. I also love Tiana because she was the first one to have a job. I stick to that. Yeah. I've had a job since I was 14. So I really resonated with me. <laughs> she had like three jobs. She was sassy. Yeah. Talked about it. Yeah, really enjoyed her. Yeah. I named my last cat after Jasmine. Aww. <laughs> she was my princess. Aww. Yeah, and she was my favorite at the time when I named her. Because I like the sass and the independence and Raja, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> I had my, my mini tiger, although she looks nothing like a tiger, but she is Siamese. Yeah, naming <laughs> animals after Disney is classic. I remember... My childhood cat named him Oliver from Oliver and Company, even though it's the saddest oh, movie ever. But I know. He's like, just like him. 
And then I had a, a bearded dragon named Cusco from Cusco. <laughs> I love that movie so much. I it's- watched it the other day. I was so, <laughs> I laugh every time. I've seen it a thousand times. Oh, yeah. It's so it good. Falls, ever. Boom, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you threw up the groove. <laughs> oh, the no touchy thing is perfect right now. <laughs> no touchy, touchy. <laughs> yes, that is like perfect. Just need a, a t-shirt with that. With going. <laughs> I should make one. I have the stuff to make that now. I'm going to do that tomorrow. Okay. My mom sent me a face mask that just said no touchy with the, the llama. Yeah, as far as Disney, some movies have made me cry so hard. Like Up, the first 15 minutes. Oh, <laughs> I know that one. It gets me every time. Even music, like I recognize this. Goddamn you! Like I know this. Like just the music from that beginning. The whole time I wrote my thesis, I listened to film scores in the background as like a a music, but nothing distracting. Every time that one came up, I would just like start tearing. (laughs) Like what's so music? Oh my gosh! I was a couple years ago. I was in college and I was studying, and I saw it come up on my memories because I posted a status and. I was at the library trying to study for like an exam or something. And I was listening to score music and I'd fallen asleep. <laughs> and I'm such a nerd that I fell asleep and I woke up when Concerning Hobbits came on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I woke up and I was like, hey. Amazing. I think my sister walked down the aisle to that. I'm pretty sure that was the one. I know oh, it was. The right awesome. she was. Yeah. <laughs> Such a dork. I love her. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yep, okay. I know that I've reached like ultimate nerd dorks this when that happens. <laughs> I love film score channels, especially, oh, I forgot his name. The guy that does Westworld and like, Thrones and all those, like all his scores are so good. Yeah. Spotify has like everything. And so I just like look for scores and the playlists and stuff and just hit play and it's just everything all day. It's amazing. I love it. That's my concentration music. <laughs> I love it. That's what I do. I have I have some vicious ADD, so I have to reel it in. <laughs> a controlled environment. <sighs> anyway, so in an unavoidable cannibalistic situation, who would you eat first? Oh, God. Jumping <laughs> <laughs> on in. Like, I, don't I, know. I know out of some person, like, random off the street. It could be who we're talking here. Who are my options? It could be somebody you hate. It could be uh um, history that you hate. See, but mm-hmm. if I hated the person, I don't know if I want to eat them because then it's like, you know, their whole energy inside you. Um and whose energy would you want? People, but I think the only person I can think of that I probably close to hate wouldn't taste very good. Yeah, because the like often people that you hate have like such negative energy. It's just, like you probably wouldn't taste that great. Yeah. Like, God, uh, we're gonna be on the list. No, no. I Natalie, I googled how long does it take to a pig to eat a person for research for an episode coming up. We're gonna be on the list. Oh yeah. I think we may. I think we're at the top of the list. We have a podcast. I'm not a serial killer. Promise. Um, I don't know. I would probably have to go with a stranger, just because, like, I I don't think I could do like eat anybody that I know. It's true. So, I think it'd be harder to do that. I'd have to go with a stranger that's like, you know, getting taken down anyway. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> you know, 
make it easy or not that easy, but. (laughs) Cannibals are so weird. Like, I think there was one time where a guy was forced to eat somebody because he was literally dying. And then afterwards, he would like purposely put himself in situations, be like, oh, no, I'm going to starve. And then would just eat his partner like hiking. But like after that, you'd be like, "Oh no, we've been lost for like five hours. <laughs> Gotta start eating them." Do you just oh, justification? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, that's um. I know it, it seems that the people who have done it before, like once they get like the taste, they're just like they want it more and more. It's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I always wonder if that's just a human thing or like any animal because animals will eat their own species like fucking hamsters when i worked at pet smart i would have to get there at like five in the morning and sometimes i'd walk in and we were all we we're always supposed to always get male hamsters but every once in a while we'd accidentally get a female and she'd be pregnant and sometimes when she'd have babies if they get scared they eat their babies so be <gasps> like five in the morning and you'd walk in to take care of them and they'd have like a baby in their mouth and you're like oh, what the fuck <laughs> A hamster? Yeah. That's traumatizing. Tiny and fluffy. You think they're innocent, but apparently not. Oh, hamsters are the devil. Yes, the Australian convict. That's who it was. Oh, Oh. my God. But, yeah, hamsters are awful. But, like, a lot of, like, animals, if they feel threatened, they'll, like, eat their children. (laughs) I know raccoons do that. If they feel, if they, if the raccoon babies smell like people or a different animal, they'll, like, they're tainted and they'll eat them. That makes me sad wonder if like after the first time they develop a taste too that's very odd yeah so. i don't know if i want to know the question the answer to that you know like i want to know but do i really yeah <laughs> humans are weird you should know that you have a degree in it now yeah people are just especially with dabbling in psychology too it's just all around people are just Oh man, I'm like completely like a contradiction. Like I hate people, but then at the same time, like I'm so interested in people. So it's just like you know, go back and forth. (laughs) It's just it's insane. You'll I don't think we'll ever fully understand because you think you get it, and then somebody's always like that weird outlier that changes Mm -hmm. everything. It's like I know nothing. Yeah, Yeah. I know nothing. I enjoy it so much. I loved anthropology. They didn't offer it in my college, or I would have definitely done that. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, we only had psychology. We had like a class. I'm like, well, that's not helpful. I think we're number two in the state for Texas State for anthropology, and I think the first is Sam Houston. Oh, okay. And then um, in front of that is the UT Knoxville because they were the first to have a body farm. Oh, yes. Talk about the second one. Tell us about body farms. So, like, ours is the second research facility like that in the U.S., which is pretty freaking cool. Um, (laughs) And so, like, it's one that's really recognized and top in the world, actually, because they have like, gosh, workshops and speakers and stuff like that, and they have people from like all over the world come and attend those workshops and stuff to learn, you know, about all of that. So it's, it's called the Freeman Ranch Body Farm. And then they also have the Forensic Anthropology Research Center, which they're like two different things, but it's called all part of the uh, FACTS Center. 
So basically what they do is research for forensic anthropology, which is basically if you've ever seen the show Bones, like what Dr. Brennan does when you have, you know, a body that's kind of unidentifiable for any other basic reasons that they come in and they identify it through bones and all that kind of stuff. So what the body crime does is it takes donations from people who either willingly donate themselves or from bodies that are found and reported or from people whose families kind of donate them. And they put them in out in different areas of the farm under different conditions, you know, hot, cold, exposed, unexposed, buried, you know, all that kind of stuff, just to kind of see the different rates of decomposition and all of that kind of stuff to study it. And so that's what the body farm does. I think they have like up to 30 at a time or so spread across. So they just, you know, run experiments and study more to learn more about that kind of thing. So I actually volunteered there. I'm sorry. Is that one of the locations where they've been finding that people move for like months after they die? Like move positions? Um, I know that at Texas State mm-hmm. at the here, they've found some movement, but that's because of either like animals. They try to do a mix of bodies covered so that animals can't get to them and bodies uncovered so that they can just, mm-hmm. you know, see what happens. And they've found like deer gnawing on bones and stuff before. Oh wow. And I was like, yeah. And um Wait, so they- I mean they can kind of move a little bit through that. And if they do move otherwise, it's kinda of, probably usually kind of like gas building up, it kind of that kind of thing. Or bugs, you know, internally, you know, all that kind of stuff. Wow. So, I mean, it's not like moving too much, but there's like slight differences because they measure everything. That is so, so cool. And you yeah. said you volunteered? Do you tell yeah, me? Yeah, because my original path when I decided on anthropology was going to be forensic anthropology. So after I got a couple classes and I was enrolled in the osteology course, we were allowed to volunteer at the research center. Just because I was, you know, a little baby in the field and stuff, I didn't do too much or go too far, but I cleaned the bones from the bodies that they were processing. So they bring one in from the field and like throw them into the cooker to, you know, deconstruct everything. And then we'd get the bones out of the cooker and brush them off and clean them and all that kind of stuff so that they could study. And we articulate everything to study the different ways that the bones were affected in, um, you know, the different research projects. So it was really pretty cool. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. And it was a really good way to like, you know, practice for my osteology class because we had to learn all of the bones and all of their features and identify which side was which side and all that kind of stuff, even from fragments. But it's hard. I I barely passed osteology. And that's one of the reason I switched to anthropology tracks. I was like, <laughs> there's like just for one bone, there can be up to like set features oh, no. that you need to memorize and be able to identify. You know, like just pick up a fragment and be like, oh, this is, you know, the proximal side of the right femur, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I'm just like, so I'm like, I don't know. I'd go back and learn more about that for fun one day if I could, but it would be really stressful for me to kind of. Keep as a career. <laughs> well, I think anthropology is very technical and very 
mathy. It seems very sciencey. Yeah, it can be. It definitely can be because there's a lot of different measurements. You know, like there's differences between um, Caucasian, African American, and Asian skeletons, and they figure and classify those because of different measurements and like formulas and things that they use in order to calculate all that. So, yeah, it's a lot. Interesting. But I think one of the coolest things, though, that I saw when I was there, well, first, the funniest, I went in to volunteer one morning. And so I parked my car. I walked up around the building. And it's out, you know, way past the city on a ranch road, you know, going out there for like 20 minutes. So I parked my car. I went around to the building where we have to pound on the door to get somebody to let us in. And I walk, they open the door. And there is this naked dude. Like a body they had just taken in. Like <laughs> <laughs> there on the floor ready to be like taken and moved to the body. And I was like, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the let's just say the feet were the closer end to the door. And so mm-hmm. the lower half is what I saw the, the first thing in the morning. So I was like, all right, this is how it's today. I'm like, I'm awake. Like, I'm awake. <laughs> like, <laughs> so cool. So that was uh, interesting to yeah. say the reason. I was like, okay, you know, let's let's go. And then the second thing that I thought was really, really cool was I was in the lab cleaning bones one morning. And I got to see them actually come in with a body from fresh from like the field and like in the bag and stuff and open the bag and see how they processed it and all of that kind of stuff. And I thought that was really, really cool. In what kind of situation was that one? What kind of environment? I I don't know. I barely remember like they were talking about the details of it. I think he was like out in the field under like a tree or something like that. And. And left for so long and all all that kind of stuff. But I thought that was really cool. That is so cool. Yeah. I loved it. Like smell wise. <laughs> like is it is it it's, I mean to me it's not as bad as you might think, but it's bad. <laughs> and it's <laughs> that you've definitely gotta get used to, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean like once you adjust to it you still are aware that's kind of gross but then at the same time it's just like you can deal with it yeah uh-huh. but i also haven't been out to where they're like sitting in the sun so that would probably be that would be a little different probably a lot worse <laughs> probably and how does one donate their body to this body farm <laughs> if you go onto the website there's actually just a form that you can fill out and you can say hey i want to donate and they'll they will actually like pick up the body for you and bring it to the thing oh cool it's something i've considered doing myself so don't know yeah Yeah, they make it really easy but there's also i think so many people that they take and like limitations and all that kind of stuff so it all depends on whether or not they'll accept it or not but it's not usually very hard to get accepted to do that. So, yeah. yeah. But I think that was, that was pretty cool that they do that, you know, they take <laughs> people that have donated their organs or do they want people that haven't donated anything to keep them intact? Oh no, they'll take any kind of, oh, okay. um, yeah. I think the only thing that you can't is certain weight. Cause then it 
comes into transportation issues Mm -hmm. because the check they have for that is not that big. (laughs) And then I think it might be like HIV AIDS and things like that, just to worry about contamination of the people, you know, transporting. But I don't think there's any too many limitations on, you know, what can qualify or disqualify you. So that's really interesting. Yeah. I find those just fascinating. You can learn so much. Oh, absolutely. That's part of like, you know, why I was so interested in it. Just because when I saw Bones, I was like, wow, that's so crazy that you can tell so much from just these little things. And of course, you know, and it's TV, so not necessarily all of that can be told or, you know, as quickly as they make it out to be. But just, but it's true. Like there's so many markers and things that are on your bones and your muscle connector and tissue and all of that kind of stuff that can tell a billion different things. And it's so interesting. It is. I need to read those books. I know the show's based on the books by mm-hmm. the person, but I've never read them. And now I want to. You've you inspired me. They're good. They're good. I've not made it all through the series. I like kind of came to a pause a long time ago, but I read the first like five or six and something like that. And they're, they're written by um, a real top anthropologist, Kathy Reich. She's a real friends anthropologist. So yeah and she's amazing yeah i love i love forensic anthropology and forensic psychology i find them both so incredibly fascinating and i mm-hmm. really wanted to do forensic psychology and i even met with some fbi people and then they were like you realize you'll never have a life you can't be married you can't have friends you're, it will ruin your life <laughs> like and i was like oh <laughs> because like you see that much death and that much like murder and that much horrible things happening all the time they're like it makes you a different person yeah. you'll never be able to have real relationships and i was like i am so empathetic i would not survive and they're like no you wouldn't <laughs> so yeah and i mean even like in the books and the show that's definitely something that you know they kind of address just because mm-hmm. it's like to have to be able to car- compartmentalize there you go yeah and to you know so turn to be able to turn that off and then when you need to and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. That would be hard. Yeah. I, I can't do that. But I did get to meet the FBI profiler that did Gacy. Oh, cool. And the vampire guy and the guy, the Bates Motel guy, Norman Bates is based on. He was such a cool dude, but he was the one that just flat out told me. He's like, nope, you're empathetic. Not your job. Don't do that. <laughs> like, going to hey. something else. <laughs> I think I took like a, I think it was forensic psychology or forensic something similar in psychology and we had a speaker one day and he was I think a a profiler or someone that had worked with Amanda Knox oh and I was like whoa that's so cool that is really yeah it was it was interesting oh I love meeting those people yeah this guy this shows me how old I was I was I think a freshman in college maybe but he was working on that movie six with or is it six seven seven no, the one with Angelina Jolie. It was a serial killer or something. Something um, with a number. God damn it. I gotta Google it. But he was creating the serial killer for it based on everything. He oh. helped with uh, a few other movies. Um, That's kind of cool. No, I forgot his name. Hold on. Because he, he was really funny. Because he's like, yeah, I had lunch with Dahmer. Don't worry, I brought my own lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I use that joke a lot. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I don't blame him. I probably would too. <laughs> you have to. Like, I can imagine you not having a sense of humor with that kind of. Yeah. John Douglas. That's his name. Yeah, he was so cool. And he talked about, he said Gacy wanted him to come to his execution. And he's like, no, I've seen enough death. I don't need to see yours. And he's like, all right. And he said at the exact moment Gacy died, he said he felt like something pinned him to his bed and he held him there. And he's like, that son of a bitch visited me on his way to hell. And he then he went off to his oh. next bed. It's like, what? He was so yeah. about it. And I'm like, mm, no, thanks. Like, I know I've mentioned it. Like, my dad saw Gacy as a kid. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I say kid. I've done the math. My dad would have been like 17. I used to think he used to tell the story like he was a tiny little boy in Chicago. You know, the burbs. Uh-huh. And John Mike Gacy is the pogo, the clown driving by. And then I realized you were 17. You just looked like a child. That's what it was. <laughs> he looked very young for his age. Oh, man. I forgot what I was Googling. Angelina, it didn't matter. Angelina Jolie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked up the profiler instead. Angelina. Good story, Kena. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he showed us scene crime scene photos too, like the vampire guy, the bathroom. Oh, that would be really cool. Really cool. One of the kind of wishes I'd set so that I could have gotten to go out on the field and do all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. And Texas State also does another program where they go down to the border and help identify like the the bones and stuff of all the people that like are across or near the border that have like died going over to try and get them back to their families and stuff. Oh, and so that was really, really cool to participate in if I'd gone far enough, you know, with experience and stuff, but that's kind of, but that's the whole type of reason that I really got into it. Like seeing on bones and then reading more about it, like, you know, being able to give people that comfort, that closure, you know, know what happens to their family and to get them back you know that i thought that was really really cool that is really cool jesus there's not even a number in it it was taking lives jesus kina <laughs> i know i'm like i don't remember being in that <sighs> my brain i want to say quarantine brain's real but this is just me <laughs> this is, uh nothing new here <laughs> like i'm not even gonna try to hide it it's fine <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just find all that stuff so fascinating. I Growing up in Arkansas, though, it's like you didn't have the opportunities. Like, it's just so exciting that Texas has a body farm here. Like, oh, that's just so cool. Like, that's something <laughs> that would have never been possible for me in my college days. Oh, I'm so envious of your experiences. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty uh, thrilled to, to be here, <laughs> to be from here in this yeah. area. But, yeah. It really is the best. I love it. Great area to be. In my opinion. You're from San Marcos, right? Is that where you've always been? I'm from Austin, but I'm I live in San Marcos for school because Texas. Okay. Now tell me about this mer pig situation. (laughs) In San Marcos, there's like a mer pig. I there's statues everywhere. Statues of the mermaids and stuff. Yeah. There's like oh gosh, like five or six or so however many around town in different r- random yeah, places. Well, one of them has holding a mer pig. A mermaid festival, but I don't think I've never heard of a mer pig. One of them <laughs> is holding a mer pig, and I thought I was seeing things, but everybody with me saw it too. And I was like, okay, I'm not crazy, but it's a mermaid, but she's holding a mer pig. And then I googled it, and there's a thing, 
like uh oh what's that water place the aqua something aquarina springs yeah uh, they had a pig that would swine dive in with the mermaids it would yeah and now they have a mer pig (laughs) oh my gosh i've never heard of that yeah i mean (laughs) there's um the girl that did the photos are flapper photos she's from san marcos and she said she wants to come on and talk about it but i was like this is just the coolest thing and apparently you can snorkel there or something Mm -hmm. i I didn't know that either i mean i don't think too many people do it because the waters aren't like that you know deep or mm-hmm. whatever and there's a lot of like seaweed and grass and rice mm-hmm. and stuff growing in it so you kind of can't see too much of it but yeah some people do just not a whole lot from my understanding it was things. like a giant amusement park of sorts where they had mermaids swimming around and they had like breathing tubes underwater and people would watch the mermaids do mermaid things or something yeah until like I don't know mermaids from Florida. I just know that there's a bunch of statues and that there's like this like festival mermaid themed festival thing at a certain mm. point of the year and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, apparently it was real ladies being mermaids for a long time, and I guess it was <laughs> once everything started expanding, people stopped going there because they had like six flags to go to. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go look at a mermaid when you go to SeaWorld. I don't know. So. It sounds like a stop that would be on the Goofy movie. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I love San Marcos. It's beautiful. And that's where my doctors are. So if I go there, I find new stuff. It's really pretty. Yeah, I really like it. I mean, I miss Austin so much. But it's got a little bit as close as you can get, sort of, of an Austin feel to it. Especially since there's, like, some stuff coming down from... Austin being pushed out by all the damn Californians. Um, but like, it's, it's kind of got a little bit of that feeling. So I like it a lot. I like it a lot. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of things to be able to do, even though it's not like this huge city. There's still a, a bunch of stuff always going on. And I really like that about it. Especially tubing. I can't wait to go tubing soon again. Oh, I keep on it's like what two summers now I've been here. I still haven't been tubing, so it's it's happening. It's gonna happen. Tubing will be It'll be your graduation party. My tubes have been sitting in my trunk, just waiting and waiting. Oh. <laughs> like, why well, I wanna get on the water. It's amazing. And I was telling Natalie at the last thing, it's like in Arkansas, you can't even touch the water until after Memorial Day because it's so cold. And like mm-hmm. here, you can start doing stuff so early in the year. It's amazing. It's amazing. Now the river is like seventy-one or seventy degrees all year round. Yeah, there's a lot of people. I live right on the Guadalupe, so there's already people. Wow. Out there, but anyway. open up our tube spaces like little by little. They're doing um, like pushing you off like in a like at water parks every five to ten minutes. You know, to space space oh, out. Yeah. So, and I Certain companies that are choosing to open up and not all of them at once, yeah. which is probably a good thing. But what are your thoughts on the Schlitterbahn? It's expensive. Uh, it's worth it. <laughs> I haven't been in forever, honestly. I'm not the hugest water park person. So, but I haven't been in forever. When I have gone, it was like when I was a kid for like field trips and stuff. And we were like, oh my gosh, we're going to Schlitterbahn this year. Or, oh, we're going to Flagstaff. You know, they would alternate and things like that. But I mean, I think it's fun. I just and have never been the hugest 
amusement park fan because I think that they're really expensive and can be overrated sometimes. So. True, so <laughs> it all depends. I can't imagine field trips being like Six Flags or Schlitterbahn. Like my graduation trip in high school was the mall because we didn't have a mall. So going to a huh? mall was a treat. <laughs> oh my goodness. And it wasn't even a good mall. It was Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> yeah. I've been lucky enough to, because I'm from Austin. And then when I graduated elementary, we didn't live in the greatest neighborhood. So, and Austin was at that point starting to go a little downhill as it has been since then. So my parents were like, no, I don't want you to go to any of these schools. So we moved to Kyle mm-hmm. and I was so pissed off because at the time when they told me, I'd never even heard of Kyle. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's Kyle? And it's grown <laughs> so much since then, but it was just this tiny town. And the middle school I went to was across from my neighborhood. And the big hangout spot after school was the golden chick directly next the neighborhood <laughs> and I was like are you are you kidding <laughs> I was like this is where the cool hangout spot is what is this place <laughs> so, yeah I was I was upset for quite a while middle school was not a fun time so it was it was it was funny but yeah I've been to Six Flags a ton of times Twitter bond a ton of times. Bob Bullock Museum, I can't even tell you how many. Capital, <laughs> I can't tell you how many. <laughs> so, I do yeah. like that museum. It was really cool. The Bullock? Yeah. yeah it was really it impressive. Was. That's very big, too. It was a yeah. first day ever. I went to that, and then I saw Hamilton afterwards. I was like, I'm in heaven. Yeah. I'm so excited to come on Disney Plus so I can finally see it. Yes, I think we should have a giant watch party. We should all get on Zoom together or something and we can all watch it and geek out together and cry together because you're going to cry. So good. <laughs> well, then I'll prepare with the tissues. <laughs> I didn't realize how sad it was and I was just like blubbering. I was not prepared. Nobody prepared me. I like Austin I went we went to one of it was the camera was called but it said it was the oldest German beer garden in Austin it was by the college it was graduation day when we went something up there I know it's one you're talking about I just don't remember the name it was really good and then I went back I saw wine and crime in Austin so then yeah we did some stuff there and then Ashley ate a donut from a stranger. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Voodoo donuts. They were like, do you want this? Because they're like, you can't bring food in. You can't bring anything. And they were like, who wants this donut? She's like, I'll eat it. It was really funny. Right. Uh, I went to with a friend like a year ago. And we were just floating. And then he and I came to a stop at this place. And we were just sitting there just talking. And this dude comes by. And he's like, hey, do you want this pizza? <laughs> and I was like, my friend. And I was like sure I guess (laughs) and then I was talking to him earlier and we mentioned that and I was like yeah I might be a little more hesitant to do that now (laughs) I might just be a little bit more questionable yeah we hung out with him the rest of the day so we're like if you poison her you're gonna be hanging around us when it collapses so we can easily point you out but yeah I was like, I don't think I would normally eat food to my hand and to me in Austin, like in the downtown area. Uh, yeah, especially downtown. It can be a little uh, questionable. Yeah, we were at the Paramount. 
Oh, that's mm-hmm. a cool theater. Super haunted. Saw no ghost. Really disappointed. Yeah, I've I've always heard about how haunted it is, and I've you know passed a million times, but I've never been there. I considered going to see, and that's why we drink um, when they were there, um, especially for Moon Tower, because I've always wanted to go to the Moon Tower Comedy Festival, but. Mm-hmm. San Antonio both times just kind of worked out better for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but I'm, I'm so happy that I'm like in the middle to where I can go to either one. Yeah, that's why I love the game because I'm like 40 minutes from both Austin and San Antonio. I can go to either one. It's great. I love it. Yeah, and I'm really close to New Braunfels, and I really dig German food. So this is working <laughs> out great yeah. for me. <laughs> New Braunfels is pretty cool too. Yeah. Oh man, is there anything else you want to share? Is there anything else really cool you do? Or personal? Not really. It's pretty boring. <laughs> Everyone says that, but they're really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, just quarantine. I've been cooking, you know, doing more cooking and stuff lately, trying to expand my repertoire. What do you like to cook? Um, I like to cook just about, like, anything. Like, I'll find recipes on Pinterest or on Facebook, whatever, and send them to myself and just kind of randomly try. I've been making tortillas. Far mm-hmm. from- Yes. Getting, trying to perfect my rolling technique. Because <laughs> yeah. I was taught like two or three times when I was little and it never stuck and I never made them again until like the first three weeks of quarantine. And so I've been making them a couple of times since then, kind of trying to perfect that. And what else have I made? I baked bread once for my mom. Uh, about three weeks ago, I made carnitas. Ooh, that sounds really good. Oh, it was great. I was so <laughs> happy and proud of myself because my mom came over to drop off some crawfish boil because my family had a crawfish boil, but I, as usual, had to work. <laughs> and so they saved me some and she brought it over and she tried them. She's like, don't tell your dad this, but these are better than his. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the chef in the family. So I was oh, pretty proud so of that. <laughs> I was pretty proud of that. And then just, yeah, just any kind of recipes that I find I like to try. So oh, that's the big, I just like food. <laughs> so, I'll just try any recipe that I think sounds good. So I, I need to learn to make tortillas. It's really simple. The hardest part is to get them actually round. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I think. We'll just make square tortillas. <laughs> but, I, I have bought like the the dough that you just make yourself, but I have flipped it with my nail because I've learned that is the true way of doing it. You don't use a spatula. That's for weak shit. And so I'm like, my nail's got to be long enough to flip the tortilla. <laughs> I'm very glad. Good job. <laughs> Yay. I've learned things. That's the only way that my grandma ever let me do it. Like, because I used to spend um, summers in El Paso with her because I was three when my grandpa died and I was like, I don't want her to be lonely. So my mom would send me in the summer to go spend the summer with her. And she like, at, at the time, as I got older, my mom had taught me like, cause I was afraid to do it cause of the fire when I was little, but mm-hmm. uh, use like the tongs. And my grandma was like, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so ever since I was little, that's the only way I've done it. Oh, like microwaves or something. I'm like, no. 
Uh, yeah, me and Zeke, we only eat at places where it's like grandma's in the back making tortillas and everybody else is like serving it. And it's so fun to watch them because they are like machines. They're so good at it. They can flatten them out and they're perfectly round and then they just throw it. And oh, yeah, it's amazing. I I'm getting my roundness, but it's, it's getting better. I my love it here so much. It's <laughs> getting better. But yeah, I mean, they're really simple to make, mm-hmm. you know, just a few ingredients and. Just yeah, let it sit. There you go. The rolling is the hardest part. That's for sure. My <laughs> favorite taco place finally reopened. And it's we've been there twice since they reopened, and it was like last week. <laughs> <laughs> Love breakfast tacos. Breakfast tacos are great. So good. They have the best tortillas. I just love it so much. I love Texas. I can't say that enough. But I'm also allergic to everything in Texas. I had an allergy test last week. I'm allergic to everything. And I'm like, oh, no. I used to, my allergies used to be so, so horrible. Like around this time of year, I would be like curled up in a ball, unable to breathe, unable to move. Like it would just be terrible. (laughs) But somehow as I've gotten older, I feel like I've grown out of it or something. You know, knock on wood that I don't have to knock on, but. Yeah, I've right now I would be miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I, I start shots this week and they are like, We're gonna need two vials. And I was like, What? Oh, <laughs> so fun. But yeah, it was a good time because I got tested, I think I was here nine months, and they were like, Oh honey, it takes three years to fully develop all your allergies. And I was like, I've only been here nine months, and they're like, Oh, that's not good. So they put <laughs> <laughs> They just retested me at like a year and a half, and they were like, "Ooh, so much more, so much more." So they're like, "We'll just be on the shots." I'm like, "Okay." It's, that's yeah. like the time it shows up that I'm allergic to dogs, and they're like, "Do you have dogs at home?" I'm like, "Yeah, they're my <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, it's fun. Why yeah, won't you love right. me, Texas? <laughs> All I want to do is love you. <laughs> Making it so hard. <laughs> Let me love you. They're <laughs> like, do you get sicker in like January? And I'm like, well, I moved here in December, and by January, I literally thought I was dying. So yes, I thought I had like pneumonia. And they're like, this is allergies. I'm like, this is not allergies. And they're like, no, it is. They're like, you're not from here, are you? And they kept saying that. I'm like, stop saying that to me. <laughs> this is not normal. <laughs> And they're like, we're literally the number one place of allergies in the country. And I'm like, well, nobody put that in the travel brochure when they're like, you're moving here. <laughs> well, no, we put that in Austin. We put that on travel brochures for Austin so people stop moving here. God, Austin is so fast. It is insane. We, that's a good idea. I will suggest that to tourists. <laughs> I have noticed that people are more angry because a lot of Arkansans moved to Texas, but mostly we all moved to like, Dallas or something, but it's like Californians. They're like, "Stop moving here!" Yes. Uh, <laughs> they come and they complain and bitch about this and that and this and that. And try to change everything like it's California. I'm like, "Go, go back. <laughs> if you want California, then go back." <laughs> it's so funny because we met and I met another girl when I met you, Selena. And whenever, oh yeah, I, there's like a Texas group or something I'm in, and I'm like, when I first moved here, I'm like, I just moved here. She's like, "Stop moving to Texas." <laughs> Yes, I was like, that. Yeah, I'm like, I'm military. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> She's like, okay. Well, it's acceptable. Everybody else can GTFO. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Although today, like, was, choice. But the people who do and then they come here and bitch, then GTFO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, today was interesting. I met somebody who lives here who's getting orders to Arkansas. They were like, oh, ah. fuck's in Arkansas. And I'm like, I got you. Finally, I know things. <laughs> I can help you. <laughs> And I didn't even realize that there was like comments. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really fun. People can talk while we're talking. I really like. Anyway, that went to a weird rant. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Ashley. <laughs> a rabbit hole. <laughs> a rabbit hole. Places. It always does. Oh, I'm just so excited you joined us. I always have fun that you asked. Thank you. Uh, your your body farm knowledge is going to be epic. I can tell now. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. It, I've always thought it's pretty cool. So yeah. I, I don't know if you saw with Natalie too. She's like, I just tuned back in and there's some CSI level shit going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so cool. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty epic. It's just, it's, it's so it's fascinating to me. So much they can tell. Oh, man, we'll have to have Like you can learn about literally everything. You know, every it touches everything: mm-hmm. biology, economics, psychology, sociology, culture, language. You know, yeah. everything. And that's what I like about it. So, yeah. all right. Well, we'll let you go. We've had you on here longer than anticipated. You probably have. <laughs> That's okay. Like, like I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's quarantine, so it's not like we got other plans. That's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> at least. Uh, well, yeah. thank you so much, and we can't thank you back. And next time we can go out without the threat of a global pandemic, let's go for three Emma drinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree. I owe you one for graduating. Woo! Graduation. Congratulations again. You did it. The river. That's our tradition. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye.